The Athletic. everyone and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic. We're joined by Andrew James from Sports Interactive, who's here to talk about training in FM23. We can fine-tune those formations as the Tactics Garage is open for business and we check in on the Sheffield Wednesday Community Challenge. So let's get started. Before we get started, I just want to say a massive thank you to RDF Tactics for hosting last week's show. You did a fantastic job in your first ever hosting slot, and the feedback we've received was absolutely incredible. So massive well done to Aaron. Now, we've all been there. Your players are complaining that training isn't suited to them. But then again, you've delegated that to your own staff anyway. Is there any way you can take the bull by the horns... And all you know is how to set the cones out. Thankfully, friend of the show, Andrew James from Sports Interactive, is with us today to tell us what we can all do on FM23 when it comes to training. Andrew James, welcome to the Football Manager Show. Hi guys, thanks for having me on again. It's a pleasure getting you back on again. Now, just in case, just in case our listeners aren't aware of you maybe this is the first time that they've uh, they've listened to the show can you just uh, confirm to us what it is you do all day uh, yeah so i'm the gameplay qa lead for a few different areas in the game which includes training as well as new gens finances and some other long-term stuff excellent stuff so we're talking about training which is obviously quite handy now if we've never looked at the training tab before what is the first thing we should be looking at to get our head around training and why well there's a lot of stuff going on on amongst the training pages but luckily we have the overview page which sort of gives a nice overview of everything that's going on in the different places so gives you your schedule tells you sort of if there's any players performing well in training performing poorly you can from there immediately sort of have a word with them or just verify that what your team is training is sort of in line with how you want them to play. So see the schedule set up there. Mm. And the schedule is in the calendar. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So if you want to change your schedule and go sort of session by session, you want to open up the calendar and get stuck in there. And that's obviously for if we want to start diving ourselves. It is already set though, right? Like we, if I wanted to just sort of turn yeah. up and I didn't <laughs> know what I'm doing and I just want to be the manager, there is, there is training set up already and I could just sort of be like, that's not my job, Gaffer, and then walk away. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. You can do training hands-on or hands-off. And if you don't touch it, it, there'll still be sessions going on. So don't need to worry about that. If you wanted to be hands-on, I guess you have the schedule or is that what the schedule tab for? Yeah, so schedules, you can then create your own schedules from scratch. So you can go session by session, as I mentioned. You can see how the overall impact will be on all your players. That's like how uh, the workload, the fatigue, the increased chance to injury, potentially that kind of stuff. So you can see go really granular and sort of get the best tailor-made schedule for your team. 
normally I manage in the lower leagues where my training is revolving around asking for a player to not work overtime on a Thursday. <laughs> uh, but we do have that disparity with, with, with these saves, you know, that elite level training and then that part-time training. Like, Andrew, can you give us a bit of a, of a broad overview as to what would be beneficial in both of those scenarios? Well, yes, yeah, so I guess with the elite level, you, I think you probably have to factor in more recovery as well because they're going to be doing more work. And then maybe with the lower league stuff where you have fewer sessions, you want to make the most of them, make sure that you're focused on really what your team needs. There's probably no time for community work or too much recovery, but yeah. No uh, no Sundays down the curry and, uh, <laughs> and, a, and a pint. Well, I'll get that schedule taken yeah. out then. <laughs> Um, and what about what about the uh, the wise the wise counsel of mentoring? Now, some of this I do, some of this maybe I don't know as much about. So, do you want to give us a bit of an overview about counselling and mentoring players? Yeah, so we have mentoring groups in the game where you can sort of group players together, and the idea is that if you put inexperienced players with experienced players, hopefully the experienced players have the kind of personality traits that will rub off onto the inexperienced players and help them in throughout their career. So if you've got sort of a model citizen club captain and a couple of young players you need putting back on the straight and narrow, get them in a mentoring group together and hopefully his sort of personality can have a positive impact on them and it'll be beneficial for them in the long run. Does it um, also matter about the hierarchy? So for an example, a highly influential player, would he have a more of an impact than other players even though someone in the other players could have that model professional personality yeah that's right so again the dynamics comes into it as well so if you've just brought in a guy that's a model citizen at another club he's not going to have quite the same impact as if he's been a one club man the whole way there so so how much does what you do in training and when during a season matter so for an example pre-season all of the physical and not near the end of the season yeah it's really important and yeah pre-season's a good thing to talk about here because you want to get I've spoken about on other podcasts but we need you want to get that long-term fitness in the bank with your pre-season training so work them hard in pre-season and it's going to make a difference towards the end of the season fitness wise I think that's the thing that I've noticed when you have the default schedules that your default staff are still training physicality towards that that sort of Easter period or like Christmas and the players just getting fatigued so much more than they actually need to be I mean Obviously, that's when I'm when I get into like the the higher echelons of like you know the championship relegation battle that sort of thing. That's where I'm noticing that. Um, but uh, with the uh, with, with with the sort of the the part time players, I'm noticing just just tactics and teamwork seems to be my only go to at that point. And maybe <laughs> set players. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the case. Uh, we mentioned before you can go hands on, hands off with this stuff. So it's a, definitely an advantage to go hands on because although the your assistant will do sort of a quite a default schedule by the end of the season. It might not be actually what your team needs and you need to get stuck in and sort of sort out those problems. And if you are going to gonna look for more specialised coaches, I mean, how much of an impact do they make? And, and if so, you know, what sort of attributes are we looking for in those coaches? And, and I suppose even our own manager profile, like can we edit that at the start when you set your own manager up, like to be a little bit more, give ourselves some more sort of like coaching attributes possibly. Does it make much of a difference? Yeah, it, it does make a difference. So there's obviously when you do your coach assignments, you'll see the star ratings and you can sort of play around with those to get the workloads right. And yeah, so essentially the attributes will match up to a sort of a subsection of training. So you've got your technical, your fitness training, that kind of stuff. And the higher the attribute, as well as like the coach's CA, 
the more effective the training will be. So yeah, it's a good thing to keep on top of and make sure that if you're doing loads of one type of training, you've got the best guys doing taking those sessions. Mm, okay. And do coaching badges help as well? I know um, you can do them in game, obviously. Like how much of an impact does that have on you? Yeah. So the, the coaching badges don't have a direct impact on the sessions, but they allow you to improve as a coach. So the AI coaches go and do them as well, and that can improve them. And if you do them as well, it allows you to do sort of manage at higher levels as well. So they have an impact, but not directly into those training sessions. Okay. So we've got good coaches. We've got good ourselves. How do we now get the best out of them? Editing coach assignments? Yeah. So I've mentioned the star ratings. You want to get the edit coach assignments page up, have a look around, make sure you've got coaches doing their best sessions. Make sure you've got someone to cover each kind of session and make sure that the workload's not too heavy. If you've got one guy who's sort of an all-rounder doing all the sessions, it's going to have a detrimental effect on the like the star rating you see. And he'll be sort of spreading his time too thinly. Nice. So let's talk about the individual training for players. There are various things that you can do. You can actually get players to train a specific role or you can, again, be more a little bit more hands-on and just get them a role and train attributes that you want. Is that correct? And yeah. is there actually a way that you prefer? Do you So <laughs> would you prefer to train them in a role or would you prefer to be a little bit more hands-on and train attributes that you really want that player to develop? So with the role training, if, you've, if you're trying to make them learn a new position, then that's the best, that's yeah. a really good way to do it. So if you don't select a position specifically, then it will just go with their playing position in the team. So that will focus some sort of progression towards the attributes needed in that position okay. if you want to let's say you've got a center mid who you want to keep a center mid but his profile's not quite right so you want him to improve at passing or improve at tackling that's where i'd go sort of more specific maybe train as a ball winning midfielder or that kind of stuff okay so in terms of training players between age groups youth players can play with the first team without being in the first team correct yeah that's right so you can put youth players into the training squad as it as it were we have the units page on the fine on the training overview if you go to the units tab and you can also move sort of fullbacks into the attacking unit so if you want them to work on their crossing they can be moved over and sort of work as attackers excellent and when you and when you put a player down into the under 21s for example do they train as an under-21? This might be a really silly question, but like, do they come out of your, your first-team training schedule and just train as an under-21 under player? Yeah, that's right. Unless you then move them, their training squad back to the first team. They will just be under-21s. We've spoken about the medical centre before, but the medical centre is also in the, uh, the training tab as well, in the training overview. So how, how does that help you? And does that help you then design certain schedules to avoid injury risk? Yeah, I think so. So... With the medical centre, you want to keep, if you're seeing loads of players with increased injury risk and it keeps the list keeps getting longer, you probably want to tone down your sessions a bit, have a bit less physical, add in a bit more recovery just to yeah, make sure you don't get injuries. It makes a difference. Okay, because at the moment I have 18 players at risk. <laughs> that, doesn't, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't sound too good. Because <laughs> yeah, that's a great thing as well. Like, like now, obviously in previous versions, we didn't have access to that sort of information, but now it is very visible to see those players who are now high risk of injury because you're training so so intensely. So I guess in that sense, it's pretty handy that we can sort of like tweak on the fly now and um, and look to sort of, alter our training accordingly and um, one question i will ask though is is and i've done this before i've looked at, at my games i've maybe gone three or four games where i'm 
missing chances. I think, oh, I'll stick some, some chance conversion in there mm-hmm. and I'll stick a couple of, of sessions in. Now, obviously it doesn't pay dividends straight away because you can't just have two sessions of chance conversion and all of a sudden you're scoring four <laughs> or five goals a game. But how regularly should you be looking at the mistakes you're making in game and, and how much would you look to work on it off on the training pitch to see an improvement going forward? Yes, I think it's something you've always got to be aware of, definitely. As you mentioned, it like one session won't make a massive difference, but it will get things moving in the right direction. It will help the players' attributes for that kind of thing. It will also help their tactical familiarity in the roles they're playing, which just helps them more com- be more comfortable, helps them improve as players. So yeah, it does make a difference and it's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. And our facilities matter too, right? And how can we upgrade them for those who don't know how to upgrade facilities? Yeah, that's right. Facilities do make a difference to the overall sort of impact of your training. To upgrade them, you want to put a board request in, have a word, try and persuade your owner to allow you to upgrade them. Come on, board. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Put your hand in your pocket. This is beneficial for all of us, isn't it? (laughs) Because at the end of the season, well, when you get that message going, oh, your facilities have been downgraded, you're like, no. There's always a panic, right? It's always a panic. Even though it's just minor, it's just a minor degrade, but it's like a panic. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, for me for me it basically means the local leisure centre's closed <laughs> um, and I guess you know obviously we are we are talking about this to get in and, and do that granular deal but if some of our listeners are listening and going I am not touching training right we can still all delegate we can still just delegate that can't we yeah you can and you can delegate the individual stuff as well so you can trust them to sort of pick out where maybe players can improve maybe they can relearn even new positions so yeah you don't have to do it but it does it's i always encourage people that if they're if their saves going wrong training is sort of the first change i'd make go and get stuck in there so like you say if things are going wrong is there something that you would um automatically like how do you look for what's wrong and how do you recreate that so one thing that i do like a little trick i don't want to keep it to myself people <laughs> so something that i do is um at the beginning of a save when i'm working out my training schedules i like to go to the comparison screen where you can kind of compare yourselves with the rest of the teams in the league. Yeah. And like Tony said, it like he may be missing chances because his shooting is not uh, that great, but you can see if your shooting is not that great and you can go to the comparison page and then you can kind of work out your schedules that way. But is there anything else? Can you, for an example, use the data hub to try and work out what you need in training? Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great use of the data hub. It sort of gives you a better idea of what's going wrong in matches. So in the past, maybe just sort of see, oh, we've lost a few games in a row. But now we can sort of see why we're losing. Maybe you're creating enough chances but not putting them away. Maybe your team is sort of running out of energy towards the end of matches, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think working out exactly what's going wrong, definitely beneficial to then being able to solve that with your training schedules. And what I'm seeing as well, uh, Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong, is like a lot of stuff in game now, it's all little combinations as well, isn't it? like not just one thing in training but two or three things that all work together to benefit the 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 overall is that right yeah definitely it all sort of interlinks it all comes in together so you'll see player happiness on the training overview as well and that will then feed into the dynamics and yeah it all then feeds into the match engine it all which then feeds back into player progression as well so it's yeah it's all one big spider's web (laughs) (laughs) okay and you're talking there about happiness how can we make our players happy? I know not every player is going to enjoy doing, you know, sprints or weights or, you know, set pieces, but how can we get the majority of them to be happy? Yeah, so I think 
when you set up your schedules, you can see that gives you a little sort of happiness preview almost to say what, how enjoyable these sessions are. I think you've got to, you want to try and avoid repetitive schedules. So if you keep doing the same thing over and over, players are going to notice that and say, we're doing too much of this. But yeah, it's just a, it's another case of keeping an eye on it, make sure if you see players start to get unhappy, nip it in the bud, have a word straight away, say you'll change something. Don't just let it bubble away until they're sort of putting in complaints and asking to leave. Andrew James from Sports Interactive, thank you very much for being part of the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. You're listening to the Football Manager Show from The Athletic. Reigning Serie A champions AC Milan are having a bit of a mare this season. And if you want to hear better analysis of Italian football than what I just said, check out The Athletic, where James Horncastle has written about Milan's struggles and the curious case of FM favourite Nicola Zaniolo, amongst other things. And if you've never subscribed before, you can currently get an Athletic subscription for £1.99 a month for 12 months. To do this, visit theathletic.com forward slash FM pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash FM pod. Welcome everyone to the Tactics Garage. Following last week's strikerless masterclass, Aaron, what have you got for us this week? Well, Tim has sent in a lovely tactic and it's a tactic, of course, is to concentrate play on the left-hand side of the pitch to allow space for Zhao Felix and the right-back on the right-hand side. The right-back is on attack or support, depending on who you're playing. And the issue that he has, he's conceding too many goals and struggling in the Champions League knockout. I can sympathise, Tim. I have the same problem. I don't. I don't, I don't have the problem. <laughs> it sounds like a massive problem, to be honest, though. <laughs> right. So if we if we break this down then, okay, so let's have a look, uh, first of all, uh, at how this system is set up. Let's talk through our individual roles. And more importantly, we've got one position that's slightly out of alignment for our audio listeners. So, yeah, you take it away, Aaron. So Football Manager has this as a 4-2-3-1 DM asymmetric, that asymmetric player being the right winger. So in goal, we do have a sweeper keeper. We've got a standard back four, just a full back on support on the right and left hand side. And then we've got a centre back and a ball playing defender in the middle. We've got two double pivots. We've got a double pivot of a deep line playmaker who's on defend. We've got a Segundo Volante on support. And now moving into the midfield, we've got an inverted winger on the left-hand side, left midfield. We've got a central midfielder on attack. And then we've got the attacking right winger on the right-hand side. Also another inverted winger. And lastly, up top, we have that advanced forward, the goal scorer. Mm, Okay, so my initial takeaway from this. Okay, we've got three players on defend duty. We've got three players on support duty, four players on attacking duty. Um, I quite like this little this little triangle in the middle here, <laughs> this, this DLP, Volante, yeah. uh, central midfield on attack. I've used something similar to that, and I like it as a setup uh, myself personally. Um, talk to me, Aaron, though, about these inverted wingers. So if you're listening to the, to the audio, to the podcast... Inverted winger essentially on the on the halfway line. You're, you're sort of default set for just a normal wide midfielder. So inverted yeah. winger on attack on the left. And then on the right-hand side, up one notch into that attacking space is the inverted winger on attack on the right. So if, say, for example, you were doing a 4-2-3-1, your players were a little bit higher. 
up the pitch. So um, explain to me the, the difference in thinking then between getting those two players offset and then essentially, forgive me if I'm wrong, but running into the same space? I think his idea was to have played to just build up on the left-hand side, have a heavy focus on the left-hand side, and then his best player would be Zhao Felix. And he's kind of basically trying to isolate that player and then he can create space for that player, build up on the left, get the ball to the Zhao Felix, where he can then be in space and he can go and do his magical stuff. So in Football Manager, I don't think they have necessarily two players running in the exact same space, doing the exact same thing. I think one would recognise another's movement. So let's say, for an example, the left winger has now inverted and he's in the middle. I The right winger would then hold his position out on that right-hand side. But what he wants to happen is build up on the left-hand side and then just free up that man on the right-hand side. So hopefully we won't have a collision of players. But it will have slight of a... There will be a focus on the edge of the opponent's box. Of course, he's got the striker, then he's got the inverted winger. If he has the ball, he's going to run into that area. And then he's also got the central midfielder as well, bombing forward from central midfield. So there is kind of a focus in the narrow areas, but I'm guessing he wants more of a focus down on the left-hand side. Mm, there's a couple of things I'm just looking at in terms of how the tactics set up as well. And one thing that, that's jumping out at me, he's saying he's conceding too many goals. Now, he's yeah. got a gag and press system on but he's yeah. regrouping like for me that feels like it like it conflicts ever so slightly like surely with my thinking would be if you're getting pressing you want to get at those that those opposition players quickly and, and win the ball back quickly and, and high up the pitch now i don't know whether that's slightly conflicting or not yeah i would say in this system now i would have a different opinion let's say he had a left winger and as the central midfielder was in attacking midfield Mm-hmm. then it makes a 4-2-3-1. I think that still kind of makes more sense because you've got attacking, you would have four advanced players and what you're trying to then ask them to do is kind of regroup a little, get back into their position. Whereas I do feel with his current formation at the moment, he's inviting too much pressure. So he's got a high press. So his players are going to be looking to try and win the ball back high up the pitch. But then he's got his left midfielder and central midfielder looking to get back instantly back into uh, into their position. So I do feel he's kind of creating an issue for himself. Now, I, he's, probably, he's possibly trying to not go overly aggressive with the pressing off the ball. And that's possibly why he's gone with regroup. But I still also think and believe that the pressing is down to your shape. Also, your intensity as well. It's, he's not on much more often. He's just on more often. So I do feel he's safe with counter-pressing. You're just putting the pressure on and you're actually delaying the opponent's counter-attack. It's difficult, obviously, not knowing what sort of goals he's conceding. But for us, counter-pressing is to actually stop the opponent's counter-attack, which I feel is possibly happening because he's the more dominant side being Atletico Madrid and playing positively. So he's looking to be the more positive side and the opponents are trying to counter-press or counter-attack him. So I feel counter-press would work because you're then trying to stop the opponent's counter-attack. Yeah, it feels like he's sort of like caught between wanting to press, but also wanting to play like Atletico Madrid, which is sit back, (laughs) soak up the pressure and do that that, that term that we coined spithousery. I don't know whether that's a sort of like a, a blended approach with that so i wonder whether that's potentially where the goals are being conceded and one one another question i've got and this is for my learning from from conversations that we've had so far on this podcast i'm looking down here now it is ball playing defender who's who's on the right side of the of the two yeah. defenders in front of him is the deep line playmaker mm-hmm. um now 
if the ball is to focus down the left, is he doing himself a disservice by having those two creative players on the right? Should Ex- one of them or both of them be on the left to <laughs> allow those little triangle movements? And a, a ball-playing defender in behind a deep-line playmaker, I'm I, again, I'm wondering whether there's just a... Are they going to run into the same space? Are they going to try and play the same passes? And then there's a big gap here on this right-hand side. I've got tears, Tony, man. You're listening. You're listening. (laughs) (laughs) That is literally the biggest... It's li- it's literally bit- I'm so proud. I can't I can't lie to you, Tony. It's, li- it's, li- it's literally the main tweak. It's the one tweak that jumps out of you. It's to have the it's to have the so the main tweak would be to have the deep line playmaker and the ball playing defender on the left hand side because you are focusing play on the left hand side. So naturally, play is going to be drawn to the left hand side because that's where your your creative players are. When you're trying to build up from the back, it's players are going to be looking for your deep line playmaker. They are the focus. So again, the ball is going to be slightly to the left hand side. Now that we've shifted the deep line playmaker to the left hand side, and then also with the ball playing defender as well, you will notice when your goalkeeper has the ball. If you've got a ball-playing defender, they do like to look for the ball-playing defender. And yeah, again, the ball-playing defender on the left-hand side is just going to help. Now, he also mentioned to free up the right-back. I don't feel this right-back needs to be on full-back support. He can be on wing-back support, help getting further forward and supporting that right-winger as well. Because at the same time, I know you want to isolate the right-winger. You don't want him to <laughs> you don't want him to be literally isolated so he's away from your teammates as well. So a wing-back overlapping or getting further forward and being in support also would help the inverted winger on the right-hand side. And in possession, you could just focus the play down the left-hand side. That's just, again, putting more focus down on the left-hand side. I feel like I've graduated. I genuinely... (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to talk... I was trying to talk without laughing and, oh my God, the smile on my face right now. (laughs) Tony Tactics is in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, there you go I think I think that's it so then obviously with with looking with with regards to conceding goals I guess we we have a look at at what kind of goals he's conceded that's going back to your data hub going back over your your previous games watching your highlights noticing those those sort of similarities um, as you go through but um, but hey again as we've said before you're getting into the knockout rounds the knockout stage of the Champions League you're doing something right you know you're doing something (laughs) right so it's those little tweaks those little tweaks that could take you up to the next level. If you have a problem that you want either Aaron or now myself, officially qualified <laughs> Tactics Tony, to have a look at, then make sure you submit it to the Tactics Garage. Send us a tweet. Uh, I am, of course, at Tony Jameson. RDF Tactics is at RDF Tactics. Send us the screenshot. And more importantly, tell us what's wrong with it. Maybe you We'll be having a little MOT in the tactics garage. It's time for the community challenge. But, but, before we do that, Aaron, you've got a bit of news this week, haven't you? Yeah, I've somehow, <laughs> I've somehow got myself a new job at Dynamo Tbilisi. A new job. At Dynamo Tbilisi, <laughs> like, like okay. Now let's 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 clarify. 
you're not working in the club shop, are you? Like, explain the job. <laughs> so, a few episodes back, I suggest all of you to go back if you haven't listened to that. We had an interview with Jakob, who currently works there as well. And uh, he spoke a lot about his job and I clearly was inspired by myself. And clearly I was inspired myself. So I took myself to Twitter, kept posting, kept posting, kept posting. And um, one day I just got a follow from someone that works there. I followed back and then instantly I've got a message asking if I wanted to join the team. And of course, (laughs) of course, I said yes. There you go, everyone. Big Will Still Energy, play football manager, get recruited in the real world. Um, you know what? We are so incredibly proud of you. You'll go and absolutely smash it, genuinely. We can't wait to see what you get up to. We should also say, by the way, hello, producer Steve, as well. Hi, Steve. Hello. Hello, everyone. I was going to say, am I going to sort of like creepily suddenly appear? Just like, hello, Tony. Hello, Aaron. Can I come in as well, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's sack off the community challenge in Sheffield. We're all off to Tbilisi. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. We joke, we joke, we joke. We're not sacking off the uh, the community challenge because we're getting a lot of people motoring through. Let me recap what we're doing. We are Sheffield Wednesday. The plan is, of course, to take the Owls from League One to the Premier League, if you can. If you can do it in three seasons, only signing Yorkshire players, Yorkshire staff, and maybe winning a cup and playing in Europe before you even get to the Premier League will class you as a platinum player. The gold standard is getting to the Premier League in three seasons, only signing players and staff from Yorkshire. You can get a silver medal for the Premier League in five seasons by signing whoever you want. And if you're like me, you can get the bronze medal, which is take your time, chill out, be free, and try not to get sacked. Aaron, do you want to quickly recap us on some of those key rules, in particular... What classifies a Yorkshireman? Of course. So, number one, only sign Yorkshire men as players and staff. We follow the grandparent rule. If the player has a grandparent or parent that was born in Yorkshire, or indeed they themselves were born in Yorkshire, you can sign them. Or if they've been at a club for five seasons, they can take their Yorkshire citizenship. For an example, Barry Bannon. Go now, before we get into the correspondence of our loyal listeners who are taking part and obviously posting their updates to us, Steve, obviously mm. I wasn't here here last week and, and I and I apologise for um, <laughs> for throwing the toys out of my pram when I didn't get promoted. <laughs> um, and, and you said, well, who did get promoted, Tony? And I said, I don't know, I've turned the game off in a huff. Um, <laughs> it well, turns thought- out, it turns out the team that got promoted were Portsmouth who beat me in the playoff semi-final, so... I don't know if that if that's good or bad. Do I remember growing up as a lad being my dad would always say, Well, if you lose to a team in a cup final, the philosophy would be, you know, hopefully they'll win it now because at least we then yeah. lose to the winners. Yeah. Right? Which <laughs> yeah. is sort of like I don't know. I reflect on it. I'm like, is that as big a crumb of comfort as it sounds at the time? <laughs> I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I, 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 I was going to say that to you, Tony. Then I was like, well. Don't I understand that? the theory behind it. I mean, the goal scoring power that they had in those two games against me, it would be unsurprising <laughs> for them not mm. to go up. Sure. But then they finished one space below me in the league. So, you know, <laughs> that's the joy of the playoffs though, isn't it? You know? I mean, that is annoying. That is annoying. Yeah, yeah. it's one of those things. But we've, we've, we've regrouped in, in, uh, in the off-season and I managed to retain the services of Barry Ballon d'Or. 
Ooh. Yeah. So season two starts with uh, our captain still very much at the helm. Unfortunately, Dominic Iorfa has uh, parted to Sunderland on a free transfer. Oh, and free the, as well. That's annoying. I know. He, he did that whole, I'm considering my options thing. And I was like, <laughs> oh, damn it. If, if, we get, if we get promoted, then he might stay. But obviously we didn't. So he's gone to play in the championship. And all the fans are kicking off going, why is he off and gone? And I'm like, because we're still in League One. That's why. Um, it's my <laughs> fault, really. Um, so he's gone. Um, obviously the players who are on loan, like Mighton, he's gone back. Um, Fraser Campbell was my one of my Yorkshire signs. I've released him. He, he's not really wow. uh, up to much, to be honest. Jack Hunt's been released. Jaden Brown's released. Callum Patterson's been released. We brought a couple of players in, though, namely Matty Longstaff from Ooh. Newcastle. That's a bit of a coup, Ooh. isn't it? Yeah, Rotherham born, and he's what you do. Again, we're going to trust our staff here. They reckon <laughs> an A plus fit. So I'm now playing a little diamond of, of midfielders. So it's Bannon, Longstaff, and um, Volks. So that's a lovely little three I've got in the centre of midfield. We're going a bit narrower now. We're not playing that three at the back system with with wide, uh, with uh, with wing backs. We're now just playing a, a four at the back, and then sometimes a diamond. So it's a bit a bit fluid, uh, but very narrow now this year because uh, width is still something we haven't got at the club. Uh, we've brought Luke Garber in, who formerly played at Blackpool. He got released, so he was and, our and free Everton transfer. as well. Former and Everton, Everton as well. So there's yeah. our left back situation covered and we've brought in Liam Shaw on loan from Celtic who's a former Sheffield Wednesday midfielder we've still got Michael Smith up front and Josh Windass so we've still got goals in us so hopefully 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 season two we can get up there we're not quite finished the season yet the expectation (laughs) however this year is not to make the playoffs it is to win the division so Oh, really? So your board expectations have been boosted, have they, more? They have, because they looked at last season and went, ah, he's failed, good, let's put more pressure on him. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, all things considered, it does sound like, you sort of damage limitation-wise, it hasn't been that bad with respect to the players that have left in that summer, considering yeah. you didn't get promoted. Because one of the things I'm learning about by doing this challenge is the sort of short-term contracts, the sort of expectations, it really is... The high stakes nature of the football league and promotion, etc., doesn't necessarily allow for that much long term planning. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the thing. I, I looked at the players that I had that were all coming out of contract towards the back end of the season. We released, <laughs> including youngsters, I think we released about 15 players. But I'm just having a look here six first teamers released. So, <laughs> you know, you're going to have to replace them somehow. And if we're only looking at Yorkshire players, I've only brought three in. So I'm already three short, so I'm having to look at my my youth players. We we mentioned before I had a a Surinamese player come through my youth prospects and a a lad from from Grenada. So they're gonna be my they're gonna be my go-tos, I think. So because we did say, by the way, if if a player comes through your youth system, that counts. You can have that. Like, you know, it's not a problem. Yeah, if they're already on at the club when you begin the game, then it would be particularly Harsh yeah, to yeah. or even, like, even in your youth intake at the end of the season, and they go, "Oh, here's the players that we've got." You're like, "All right, fair enough." That's yeah. They, you know, they've they've they're they've come through the academy essentially. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be tough. It's going to be very very tough. Hopefully, we we've, we've learned from last season, and hopefully, we can go one step further. But as I say, let's 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 see, let's see what happens next week, and see whether I'm. I'm happy or sad. <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like you're going to carry on to season two then, Tony. 
However, some of us have decided to leave the challenge behind. So we've got a couple of farewell to do, first of all, in the correspondence from you guys, the listeners. Uh, Paddy9596 has decided to stop. He was sacked in his second season. He did try and start again, but the motivation was gone. They formally announced their resignation from the challenge because it beat them, which (laughs) go well, my friend, go well. (laughs) I feel that's a premonition. (laughs) <laughs> second that, season that definitely you. says second season doesn't <laughs> queen bird has been in touch hello queen bird just finished season one automatic promotion but didn't win the league missed out by just that one point ah only two standings in the first year currently going for the platinum award only yorkshire standings good luck because you still have to win a trophy as well Going into season two in the championship today with new lads coming in, keeping the dream alive. We have been playing aggressively high, direct passing, which has been a blast to watch. So he finished on 89 points, Portsmouth on 90 points. I've got a feeling a lot of us are starting to dislike Portsmouth at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the giant of that division, aren't they? But um, that's good though. That's, you know, I mean, did, did... What do you guys think about this too? Because I imagine then finishing second, I don't know if it goes down as far as League One, but they would have had the promotion trophy to have lifted loft. Um, obviously, IRL teams get given, a, just because it's like, well, the playoffs get a trophy, champions get a trophy, <laughs> therefore people get automatic promotion have also been given a trophy too in some instances, which part of me is like the grumpy old man of me is like, this is rubbish, this isn't a trophy, what, you know. But then also, I'm just like, it's entertainment, it's a game, let people have fun, you know. What 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 does the panel think? I mean, depending on how you look at it, in League 2, there's actually uh, the, the top three go up automatically, and then the playoffs. So um, I'm using it as part of my, my, uh, my, my stream save as the British Steel Challenge. Any promotion counts as a trophy uh, by the rules. So um, I will use a trophy, no matter how big or small, to fill my cabinet because um, at the minute I'm getting desperate. <laughs> <laughs> so, Coinbird, I owe you an apology. You have won a trophy. So, <laughs> oh, congratulations. Hang on, that's a point. Yeah. But it doesn't, uh, in terms of our rules, yes, again, there's all, yeah. Um, yeah. our rule book, which has got more holes yeah. in it. Switch I mean, it's not going to get you into um, Europe, is it? Like, the, the whole thing with, with Platinum was you no, had to win a trophy. Yeah, it was like yeah, the FA yeah. Cup or the, yeah. or the Carabao Cup that then got you playing in playing in Europe. So so it's, that's, that's not going to get you into the Platinum Club yeah. just yet. But you know, if he's if he's been promoted, if he wins the uh, if he wins the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup next season as a Championship club, then then yeah, he will he will potentially actually you might just miss out because he'll be you need to play the European football before you get to the Premier League. So sorry, yeah, yeah, sadly, yeah, there is no. How about though? How about if we say that they then have the they're in the Premier League and they've got Europa League by virtue of having won that one of those two cups. I think that's fine. We can classify that as palladium. (laughs) (laughs) Palladium is a chemical element. It's rare and lustrous silvery white metal. Interesting. I think it might be better than platinum, you know. It's in the group of elements referred to as the platinum group of metals, PGMs. So it is within platinum. So unexpected chemistry knowledge there from you, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. See, I've had a right episode today, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> I need to go off for a week more often. <laughs> well, congratulations to Coinbird there on their promotion. 
So we have another playoff defeat, but um, Metalie Muse here in his second season, so did actually get promoted in the first one. Unfortunately, the Platinum Challenge is now beyond them. But second season, to get into the playoffs of the championship, very impressive. Lost 7-1 in the two legs to Nottingham Forest, who of course came down from the Premier League. But they had Moussa Dembele in their ranks, who'd scored 39 goals in that season. So, you know, Metalie Muse obviously very upset about that. But, I mean, you've gone to right to the top of the t- table consecutive season. That's a really good achievement. So, you know, it's obviously a tough one to take because you can nearly, nearly so close to getting there. But keep cracking on. Keep cracking on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you're almost there. You're almost there. It's touching distance. Um, but you know what? Some of us have actually made it through the playoffs. AD has done so and is currently 21 games into his third season a premier league season believe it or not yeah back-to-back promotions ad is in the premier league after three seasons and they are currently nine points clear of the relegation zone (laughs) in 14th ad i think you're out in front at the minute well done. Well done. <laughs> Quickly before we wrap up the uh, community challenge, I did also get promoted to the Premier League in the second season. It was a bit difficult because Brentford and Everton also got relegated, which means I had to play them away, which means both time I went away, we got absolutely hammered. In the um, Carabao Cup, we got knocked out in the third round by Wolves. And in the FA Cup as well, we got knocked out in the fourth round by Brighton. And that was horrible. So what I've actually done, uh, I've got a Dijerby sort of recreation tactic. It's a 4 3 one but I've then tailored it for Sheffield Wednesday, of course. So I've approached Brighton. I was thinking, this is going to be interesting. It's Dijerby versus Dijerby, sort of. <laughs> and, <laughs> and when I mean, we got absolutely hammered. It, it was not fun at all. We then got a player sent off, Patrick Roberts, who I bought from Sunderland. And then McAllister scored in the 63rd minute to wrap up the um, the win for Brighton. But if I'm honest with you, we was getting absolutely hammered from minute one. Um, so yeah, we got promoted. I've made a few signings in the second season as well. What I've tried to do now is focus more on youth. So we've brought in a few youth players. Oakley Cannonier from Liverpool for £1.2 million. That's the most expensive signing we got Alfie Gilchrist as well from Chelsea. Um, he's played about four games. Don't worry about him, people. And we've also got Charles Sagu from Arsenal. I've got James Husband from Blackpool. And I also bought Luke Garbett from Blackpool as well. Some of us may have some similar signings. And Taylor, Tyler Smith from Hull. I bought him because he's he was in the shortlist. <laughs> we don't have much of an option. But now what I'm doing is shopping for the Premier League, which is the most difficult challenge so far. So are you doing a mixture of Yorkshire signings and, and just general signings? Oh, no. These are all Yorkshire. All Yorkshiremen. All Yorkshire? All <laughs> Yorkshire? I hope so. So Patrick Roberts, who's not from Yorkshire. No <laughs> way. Alfie Gilchrist, who's from 
Kingston upon Thames. Not oh, Kingston, got Kingston upon oh, Hull. my days. Because I've got Kingston because they're both for all oh, my days. Aaron, we've spoken about this so many times in the pod. Because I've used the same shortlist. It's the same uh, freaking thing. Oh, oh my days. And I only know this because Patrick Roberts obviously plays for Sunderland and Alfie Gilchrist, yeah. I've, I've got at my, I've got an Oxford in my British Steel Challenge. Oh, my days. It's because I left the Kingston thing there. Oh, no. Oh, man. That's it, yeah. So we haven't, we've, we've scrapped the gold challenge. That was intentional. <laughs> Aaron's on for the silver. Um. <laughs> completely intentional. But yeah, this is how far we've got. Oh my God, I thought we were doing so well. Even Charles Sagu as well from Kingston upon Tit. So literally none of these signings are So Aaron is doing the um, Kingston upon Thames community challenge on his own. <laughs> and if you guys, look, how, hey, if, if you guys want... If you guys want to mix this up a bit, because as, as evidenced by Aaron, there are surprisingly <laughs> quite a lot of players from Kingston upon Thames. So if you want to uh, only sign players from Kingston upon Thames for this challenge, uh, then we can uh, then you can get a special medal, an what, additional thing. What about players from Kingston, Jamaica? Can we have those as well? Would that also work? <laughs> yeah. No, it is because you not did warn me, so I've changed it. But these signings were obviously they're like before the um, season two, so these were like already done signings. <sighs> Oh my god! I did it. I'm, I'm gonna go through everyone. Okay, Tyler's from Sheffield. There you go. You got one. That's good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're one up, boys. We're one up. I mean, ah, oh, I'm fuming now. Oh dear. Wow. What's what's your new job, Aaron? Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy because the the average age is what I was about to just. I was about to boast about the average age and reducing that and everything, bringing in these 19 year olds, and none of them are actually from Yorkshire. I was thinking, uh, probably similar to you, Tony, like as, as Aaron was going, I was like, there's a lot of players here. And I feel like something is wrong here. <laughs> oh, I know what I've done wrong. So in the filter, we've got place of birth, but it says contains Kingston. And obviously Kingston upon Thames has Kingston in it. So even plays from Jamaica will pop up on my show. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, and you can also get players from Solly Hull because Hull shows up. So you can get players oh, from the middle. There are real concerns now over the integrity of this competition. I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> well, to be fair, I can say that I'm going for a different challenge, a different tier. I uh, mean, evidently, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. no option now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, silver, then. Boys, well, Tony, where are we going to go? Obviously, Aaron's got a decision to make as to whether he just goes hard for silver now or, yeah, or I'm, stops now, again and actually listen, signs I've got. So I am gonna, I'm gonna carry on what I've been doing. I'm gonna go hard. I've got 35 million in the bank. I'm gonna carry on with this Yorkshire <laughs> plus Kingston sort of thing. And I'm obviously going to acknowledge it as silver, but to make it more of a challenge for me, I'm obviously not going to remove that filter and then just sign anyone. I'm just gonna keep the exact same filter, but my we will acknowledge my success as silver. Yes. I think that seems fair. I think that seems fair, to be honest. And you know what? <laughs> For everyone else who's listening, we need to find out where people are going. A lot of people have now finished season two. So if you haven't finished season two, get season two done. If you're one of those speedy types, get to the end of season three. I think we're going to consider putting maybe like a five season time cap on this one. So um, let's power through. Let's get to the end of season three and and let us know 
how you're doing. And also, if you've just signed players from anywhere in the world, um, <laughs> that seems to be... Uh, if anyone's been to Yorkshire on holiday, that now counts. Um, and with that, I think that concludes this week's correspondence. And if you want to get in touch, remember... You can send us tweets, short-form tweets, at Tony Jameson, at RDF Tactics, or long-form correspondence comes to us via our brand-new email address. If you want to send us an email, the address you need is thefmshowpod at gmail.com. So if you want to send us an email, send it to thefmshowpod that's the FM show pod, all one word, at gmail.com. And of course, if you want to be featured on the Tactics Garage, send us that screenshot of your tactic and more importantly, tell us what is wrong with it. Not just Tactics Garages, of course. We also have the FM Confessional and that is waiting for you. So just a reminder, Twitter is at Tony Jameson. It's at RDF Tactics, and the email address is thefmshowpod at gmail.com. And that was the Football Manager Show from The Athletic. Your guest today was Andrew James from Sports Interactive. Your co-host was RDF Tactics. Your producer was producer Steve Hankey. And I am Tony Jameson. Take care, stay safe. And we'll see you soon. The Athletic. I did great, you see. I, did, I mean, I did great. Yeah. I won the European Cup, Winners' Cup. I won the Spanish Cup. I won the Super Cup and finished second in the league. And we played 14 games more than Real Madrid did. Capella was at um, Real Madrid. He won the league by two points. He won it by one, one game. And we played that year 14 games more than they did right. that season. Because we went all the way to the European Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah. They didn't even play in Europe that year. We right. did. And we won it. So we played all those matches. I lost my job. That was the unmistakable voice of Sir Bobby Robson, talking to me, George Culkin, during the months and years before he died. Thanks to the generosity of his family, The Athletic are marking what would have been Sir Bobby's 90th birthday this weekend with Bobby 90, an exclusive four-part podcast series featuring previously unheard interviews with one of football's most iconic figures. It's packed with stories about growing up in the North East, managing Newcastle United, Barcelona, England as well as players like Gazza, Brian Robson and Alan Shearer. And it details his repeated bouts with cancer, establishing the charitable foundation which carries his name. It's Bobby at his charismatic and emotional best. Listen to Bobby 90 for free by searching for Pollen the Time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all usual podcast providers. Listener.